Chapter 12 of the Expedition of the Donner Party and its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Expedition of the Donner Party and its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter 12 Arrival of Second Relief or Reed Greenwood Party. Few survivors strong enough to travel. Wife's Choice. Partings at Donner Camp. My Two Sisters and I Deserted. Departure of Second Relief Party. It was the first of March, about ten days after the arrival of the First Relief, before James Reed and William McCutcheon succeeded in reaching the party they had left long months before. They, together with Britt Greenwood, Hiram Miller, Joseph Jondro, Charles Stone, John Turner, Matthew Dofar, Charles Cady, and Nicholas Clark, constituted the second relief. They reported having met the first relief with eighteen refugees at the head of Bear Valley, three having died en route from the cabins. Among the survivors, Mr. Reed found his wife, his daughter Virginia, and his son James F. Reed, Jr., he learned there from his anxious wife that their two younger children, Martha J. and Thomas K. Reed, had also left the cabin with her, but had soon given out and been carried back, and left at the mountain camp by Messrs. Glover and Moutry, who then retraced their steps and rejoined the party. Consequently, this Reed-Greenwood party, realizing that this was no time for tarrying, had hurried on to the lake cabins, where Mr. Reed had the happiness of finding his children still alive. There he and five companions encamped upon the snow, and fed and soothed the unfortunates. Two members continued on to Aunt Betsy's abode, and Messrs. Katie and Clark came to ours. This relief had followed the example of its predecessor in leaving supplies at marked caches along the trail for the return trip. Therefore it reached camp with a frugal amount for distribution. The first rations were doled out with careful hand, lest harm should come to the famishing through overeating. Still the rescuers administered sufficient to satisfy the fiercest cravings and to give strength for the prospective journey. While crossing Alder Creek Valley to our tent that first afternoon, Messrs. Cady and Clark had seen fresh tracks of a bear and cubs, and in the evening, the latter took one of our guns and went in pursuit of the game, which would have been a godsend to us. It was dark when he returned and told my mother that he had wounded the old bear near the camp, but that she had escaped with her young through the pines into a clump of tamarack, and that he would be able to follow her in the morning by the bloodstains on the snow. Meanwhile, the two men who had come to Aunt Betsy's with food thought it best not to tell her that her son William had died en route to the settlement with the first relief. They selected from among her children in camp, Solomon, Mary, and Isaac, as able to follow a leader to the lake cabins, and thence to go with the outgoing second relief across the mountains. Hopefully that mother kissed her three children goodbye, and then wistfully watched them depart with their rescuers on snowshoes. She herself was strong enough to make the journey, but remained because there was no one to help her carry out her two youngest children. Thirty-one of the company were still in the camps when this party arrived, nearly all of them children, unable to travel without assistance, and the adults were too feeble to give much aid to the little ones upon the snow. 
Consequently, when my father learned that the second relief comprised only ten men, he felt that he himself would never reach the settlement. He was willing to be left alone, and entreated mother to leave him and try to save herself and us children. He reminded her that his life was almost spent, that she could do little for him were she to remain, and that in caring for us children she would be carrying on his work. She who had to choose between the sacred duties of wife and mother thought not of self. She looked first at her helpless little children, then into the face of her suffering and helpless husband, and tenderly, unhesitatingly, announced her determination to remain and care for him till both should be rescued or death should part them. Perplexities and heartaches multiplied with the morning hours of the following day. Mr. Clark, being anxious to provide more food, started early to hunt the wounded bear. He had not been gone long when Mr. Stone arrived from the lake cabins and told Mr. Cady that the other members of the relief had become alarmed at gathering storm clouds and had resolved to select at once the ablest among the emigrants and hasten with them across the summit and to leave Clark, Cady, and himself to cut the necessary fuel for the camps and otherwise assist the sufferers until the third relief should reach them. Katie and Stone, without waiting to inform Clark, promptly decided upon their course of action. They knew the scarcity of provisions in camp, the condition of the trail over the mountains, the probability of long, fierce March storms, and other obstacles which might delay future promised relief, and, terror-stricken, determined to rejoin their party, regardless of opposition, and return to the settlement. Mother, fearing that we children might not survive another storm in camp, begged Mr.s Cady and Stone to take us with them, offering them five hundred dollars in coin to deliver us to Elitha and Leanna at Sutter's Fort. The agreement was made, and she collected a few keepsakes and other light articles, which she wished us to have, and which the men seemed more than willing to carry out of the mountains. Then lovingly she combed our hair and helped us to dress quickly for the journey. When we were ready, except cloak and hood, she led us to the bedside, and we took leave of father. The men helped us up the steps, and stood us up in the snow. She came, put on our cloaks and hoods, saying, as if talking to herself, I may never see you again, but God will take care of you. Frances was six years and eight months old, and could trudge along quite bravely, but Georgia, who was little more than five, and I, lacking a week of four years, could not do well on the heavy trail, and we were soon taken up and carried. After traveling some distance, the men left us sitting on a blanket upon the snow, and went ahead a short distance, where they stopped and talked earnestly with many gesticulations. We watched them, trembling lest they leave us there to freeze. Then Francis said, Don't feel afraid. If they go off and leave us, I can lead you back to mother by our foot-tracks on the snow." After a seemingly long time, they returned, picked us up, and took us on to one of the lake cabins, where, without a parting word, they left us. The second relief party, of which these men were members, left camp on the 3rd of March. They took with them seventeen refugees, the Breen and Graves families, Solomon Hook, Isaac and Mary Donner, and Martha and Thomas, Mr. Reed's two youngest children. End of chapter 12